Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rowe. And Chris, today we're going to be discussing the topic of what role does nostalgia play in your GMing or in the choice of games that you GM? Yeah, this is a good topic. Um, yeah, before we get into that, though, Andy, well, I guess maybe this is somewhat related. I wanted to ask you... How hyped are you on a scale of one to ten for the new D and D movie? Oh, a uh, good question. I may or may not have spent a fair amount of time this weekend trying to figure out how to get into like the Amazon Prime like early screening of the D and D movie. <laughs> oh, really? So, so I'll say this: I'm really excited to see it, but mostly because i I have been waiting for months for a movie to come along. I really want to go watch a movie in theaters and I keep checking the movie listings and there's just nothing that appeals yeah. to me. Yeah. And the D and D movie, the trailers have been, I mean, they, they, they make me laugh. I, you know, so uh, I am looking forward to it and I may be seeing it as early as this weekend. If I can pull off that uh, wow. early screening. I know, I know. That's kind uh, of amazing. Wow. Well, that's the kind of like, access that you get when you're a top tier game podcaster <laughs> yes yeah amazon approaches directly to say <laughs> that's right you know would you like to be part of the street team yeah yeah also um, when you pay through the nose for quote quote free shipping this is one of the mild yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes all that to say i am excited i have seen all three of the official D movies that have aired since you know uh whenever the infamous um one around the year 2000 aired and uh, they got progressively worse this one looks like um, it looks like in the way same way that Marvel movies have both like a a floor and a ceiling of quality that assures like at the very <laughs> least like yeah. an acceptably entertaining time. I I expect that level of fun from the D and D movie. I will not say that like I don't feel like oh I've been waiting for forty years for D and D to make the transition to the screen. So it. It doesn't have that big emotional resonance. Mostly I'm hoping it'll just make me laugh with some like kind of D&D adjacent jokes. How do you feel about it? Yeah, um, I'm actually wondering if anyone out there has been like waiting for 40 years for this, this, this event. Like this is, you know, finally going to be, you know, the big transition. Uh, there's something that like I think uh, comic book fans talk about a lot too about the Marvel movies that it's like, yeah, it's great that there's movies, but it's not like the comics weren't enjoyable until, right. until there was yeah. a movie. You know? yeah. So like, it's you know, just a different media presentation. Um, I am like, uh, I'm excited to go see it with some friends. Right. So I'm going to go see it with a handful of people out here in Southeast Michigan. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to be really fun. I think the movie will probably be, yeah. Like you said, sort of like in between good to acceptable you know somewhere right. in that range with some you know probably some good jokes and stuff like that but it's not going to be it's not going to like blow blow my socks off um so I'm, I'm hyped to go see it with my friends you know i kind of wonder and i feel like we've talked about this on the podcast if the like official D media like does it just is going to be incapable of capturing what makes D D fun yeah um, i think it's like you know you're only ever going to get that captured correctly in like the sitcom episode where they play dnt <laughs> yeah. right like that's that's going to be the thing that nails it it's not going to be the big budget hollywood you know you know hundreds of millions of dollars spent on on the, the spectacle of it yeah well isn't that an interesting thing i mean on the one hand there's a dnd movie that is just like a straight fantasy movie set in like the forgotten realms or mm -hmm. something 
And I, I definitely know that there's a subset of D and D fans that that's what they want out of a D and D movie. They don't want something with sort of any meta stuff related to the game of D and D. They love the settings that D and D has created and they want to see, uh, you know, a good movie set in that. And I can see, you know, there's no reason why the right set of, you know, writers and producers couldn't put together a pretty good show set in the Forgotten Realms or in Dark Sun or or mm-hmm. or a Spelljammer or whatever. But there is this sense that like the 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 D&D movie we kind of want is something that nods to like the meta experience of playing the game, right? Mm-hmm. And I personally have already enjoyed the thrill of that by watching like Stranger Things, mm-hmm. by watching the D and D episode of uh, is it Parks and Rec or uh, Community? Of, yeah, Community. Yeah. This one, yeah, I mean various various um, different shows and experiences have already kind of tapped into that kind of somewhat jokey and fun D and D meta experience already, mm-hmm. and so I don't know if you were to say what do you want out of a D and D film? I don't know what I would say. I enjoyed, you know, I liked Stranger Things. That felt kind of like a D&D movie to me. Yeah. What do you think about all that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of fascinating. As you were talking, it's like the, like, whenever a sitcom addresses D&D, it's always, they always show sort of both sides of, of the table, right? They show, like, the people playing the game and then also, like, in the game, what their characters are like. And, like, I cannot conceive of a, a D&D movie in which they would do that, even though that's clearly the right choice. Yeah. Right? Like, it's clearly the, the right, like, creative choice to be, like, Hey, here's the people sitting around the table, and then here's what they think they're they're acting out. Right? Like that's yep. that's the most compelling part about it. But like, you're never going to get that. You know, no one's going to spend two hundred million dollars to to make that movie. Um, even though, again, correct choice, but you know, it's, it's fine. Right? Yep. There have been, I I think, successful within the scale of like the RPG hobby niche. Uh, there have been some attempts to put the film that sort of a split experience of like here's what the players are saying here's what is actually happening in the game and there's this game series put out by a small indie filmmaker called the gamers have you heard of this maybe yeah yeah this sounds familiar yeah uh yeah and i don't think they're the only ones but i think they were the first you know like you can catch screenings of them at gen con for example Mm -hmm. um and so i think it is a widespread sense that kind of the right way to do this would be to um, highlight both the in-universe ex- uh, story that's being told and the outside, the real-life experience of playing the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, would I, you know, would a straight-up Forgotten Realms awesomely produced saga feel like D&D to you? I mean, I would shrug. I mean, I might enjoy watching it or I might yeah. not. Like, that wouldn't, that wouldn't really have any... Um, strong like appeal to me um based on his dnd-ness yeah yeah like the the willow tv show like i i adored yeah the first season of that and i feel like that was the dnd you know show slash movie interesting that does that does that well for me that like yeah kind of yeah high fantasy nonsense right it's just like it's, it's super fun yeah like that but i mean yeah the there's just a lot of opportunity there i think for playing with that that tension of like in character out of character stuff that really typifies right like it's the whole hobby right it's like is that that um that relationship that you have with your characters at the table and then also your your friends at the table too so yeah yeah it's uh i don't know um i'm part of me sort of hopes that it's like 
in the parlance of um, the Flophouse, I think you you listen to that podcast too. Mm-hmm. So the the yeah. Flophouse is a podcast where they talk about like bad movies, right? And they they yeah kind of dissect them and stuff, but they always rate them at the end. And they have this category called good bad yeah. movies, where it's like it's a movie that's like so bad that it's actually like really good, really good, yeah, <laughs> really good to watch. And I, that's sort of my my biggest hope for the D and D movie is that there's enough that's just like sort of wonky about it that it becomes endearing, you know, kind of loops back around and becomes like a, a really fun fun movie to watch um yeah and i'm thinking about like uh the there's the movie the room do you remember this with time i have not so, seen it but i i am aware of it yes yeah it's, it's not like a bad badly yeah, produced film right famously it's it's absolutely terrible um but what sprung up around it at the showings were like all these like little like in jokes that the audience would sort of shout back at the movie i think it's somewhat similar to like rocky horror picture show right where it's, yeah. it ends up being this interactive experience um, yeah, I'm just thinking about that with the D and D movie. Like, how great would it be if at one point there's some sort of scene where everybody throws a D20 at the screen, right? Like, you, know, like you have have some of those yeah. like little little elements in there. But I don't know. So it, to answer my own question, am I hyped? I'm at like a, a five out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. I yeah. mean, also you and I are. I mean, not that. I think I am officially an old. I don't yeah. think you're quite an old yet, but you're right on the cusp of becoming an old. Yeah. So it is also just harder for us to get excited about, like you know, <laughs> uh, these AAA commercial, uh, you know, product commercial mm-hmm. product, as you might say. Uh, yeah, I, I will say, you know, um, there are some things that D and D introduced to the fantasy lexicon that I think it would be fun to see on a screen, mm-hmm. like so. You know, what would distinguish a good D&D movie from like a good Lord of the Rings movie or a good Game of Thrones movie? I think part of that would be if you're not going to do the meta like in-game, out-of-game thing, if you're going to focus just on in-game stuff, at least dig into the weird stuff that D&D brought to the genre. So the weirdo monsters, mm-hmm. um you know, a, a, a setting that, you know, kind of, you know, a setting that's strewn with, you know, quote dungeons, you mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah. like if you're going to do something, don't do Lord, don't, don't do like a budget Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. at least try and think like, all right, what did, what did D and D change about the way we tell fantasy stories? Like it introduced new types of monsters, it introduced a new ideas. I think about how like a, a group of protagonists would operate in a fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. It would, um, I don't know. I don't know what I want exactly. I definitely don't want a budget Lord of the Rings film. Yeah. So um, to the extent that it can, you know, I guess the lowest common denominator would be like, you know, put a, put a displacer beast in your movie because it's mm-hmm. weird and D and D specific. Yeah. I would like something a little bit more ambitious than that. I expect that I'll see a displacer beast in this movie and I will like grin at the camera yeah. or I'll grin at the screen and have a good time. But yeah. Could you imagine if they hid um, every monster from like the first monster manual in, <laughs> in the movie somewhere? Right. Like if it was just like, yeah, like in the, yeah, in the background, there's a displacer beast sort of just walking by real quick or like, you know, they, they interact with a beholder. It's like, really, you could just do, I mean, you could have the whole movie full of those little like winks towards the audience. And I think, Oh my goodness. Sort of great. Man, if you know your movie is probably not going to be the new Citizen Kane, like mm-hmm. that would be the way to assure its cult following, right? Mm-hmm. In every yeah. scene of this movie, there's a monster from the one first edition monster manual somewhere oh, in the background. Yeah. Instant, or, like niche fandom. Yeah. Or if they tried to have like one one scene 
like uh, multiple scenes in the movie sort of match the covers of the original. You know, oh, like how books. fun. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be fun if they like, you know, like got it, you know, perfect. Like that, that image of them like stealing the, you know, the crystal or the, the ruby out of the, like the golem. Yeah. The eye, you know, that, that image, yep. right? You yep. Know, like, yep. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. If they could hit, hit some of those points. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, I think like talking about like what you would do with a and d movie is like almost as fun as, <laughs> as watch, yes. watching the movie. Yeah. Yes. It's similar sure. to like how I think a lot of nerds have opinions on like what Nintendo should do next. Right. It's like, yeah, Nintendo's fine. Nintendo has billions of dollars in the bank. Like they don't need any of your ideas. Like they're, <laughs> they're, they're good, yeah. but it's really fun to sort of speculate like, oh, like how would I do this? Well, and part of the experience, again, it partly comes of being an old. Mm-hmm. You and I both remember an era when the there was no higher state of success for your favorite book or any or your favorite property mm-hmm. than that it would get a cinematic treatment. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, just generally speaking, we are all well past that naive assumption mm-hmm. that getting a movie made of your favorite thing is the ultimate culmination of what that thing was trying to achieve. Like, as you say, you know, I mean, and I feel like, you know, when, when was the last, uh, I, for me personally, the excitement of seeing my favorite quote properties, what an awful word, by the way. My favorite quote properties turned into movies has really faded. You know, I'm happy when they're good. You know, when, Oh, there's a Dune movie coming out. You know, Dune is like one of my favorite novels. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. I mean, was I pleased that the movie was good? I was. Was I beside myself with hype that a movie was fine? A good movie was finally going to come out? No, because yeah. the movies are the books are already fantastic, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I feel that you know that's true with comic book adaptations, and you know, think about how much of the discourse of these adaptations from within the fan community is not is no longer, wow, someone made a movie based on our favorite property, but it's like just kind of criticizing and nitpicking and ripping to shreds the way in which the movie version failed to somehow live up to whatever your expectations were. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It all makes me think that sometimes you're better off just, you know, appreciating the original piece for what it is in the yeah. medium in which it was created. And, you know, as to bring it back to the D and D movie and sorry for this long rant, you know, mm-hmm. I, I look. I hope to be pleasantly entertained by a D and D movie now and in the future. Mm-hmm. The feel D and D to me is the game being played, and making a movie or anything else will never imp- it will never improve on that experience. It might deliver me something new and enjoyable, but D and D is the act of playing the game to me. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that so no, I'm not really hyped about the movie. <laughs> Yes, I hope it entertains me, but yeah. um, you know, either way, I'm not going to be upset about it, and I'm going to keep enjoying D and D the game, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's all all really good. I think we've we've kind of subtly transitioned into our our topic about nostalgia and how it how it relates to our games, right? Yes. So, yeah, we were we were talking a little bit about this on on Discord, and I mean, this is just sort of an an ongoing conversation. Is like so I. Th- like you have been in the hobby for a long time and I've been in the hobby for not a super long time. Right. But like, you know, like, so relatively new, right. Like, I think you look at my experience and you're like, wow, you started with fifth edition. Like you're such a, such a newbie. Right. Right. Like, right. What a, what a new. Um, yeah. And so like, we wanted to like talk about that just, just a little bit. Like, so for me, 
this question of nostalgia is a lot of like what you know like what am i bringing in outside of gaming into my gaming and i i kind of wonder is the question for you sort of like what what stuff from gaming am i bringing back into my <laughs> into my games mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so i guess i'll start a little bit right so like i mean I, I i grew up playing a lot of video games um right when i was about to play dungeons and dragons for the first time um magic the gathering sort of hit around the same, the same time yeah so like that's where all of my my nerd friends ended up ended up heading as we just started playing magic instead instead of D. in fact like i remember this was like at my friend's house his parents had had played i think advance D for a little bit right they had like the monster manual up on their their computer shelf and you know they they were you know big nerds otherwise and we had like pulled down some of the D books at one point we're gonna make characters and stuff and it was like i remember it was like we had our magic cards right next to the, the like the characters you know the character sheets and stuff and it just like that's just sort of the way it fell is we just we played magic instead yeah um yeah so i mean i'd always like always like a little bit aware of D, but it just never sort of rose to prominence because it was fighting against magic and then um video games yeah at that time so mm-hmm. Yeah, so it wasn't until much later that, you know, I kind of was searching for something that was a little bit more communal. Um, yeah. yeah, communal experience uh, as an adult, right? And then finding finding D&D and being like, wow, this is great, right? And then finding other other tabletop games um, and stuff like that. Yeah, so like playing in, like Matt Wilson was running a, a you know, Call of Cthulhu adjacent game, game for a long time. So I started becoming a player in that. And it was like, just my eyes were opened up to like, oh, this is a super fun, super fun hobby. This is sort of what I've been looking for uh, for a lot of my life. Yeah, my perspective is different. Like you said, I started gaming earlier. So, you know, by the time Magic came out, I had been, you know, playing D&D and adjacent games for, you know, a decade or more. Mm -hmm. And I remember, uh, you know, not making any definitive historical statements here, but I remember the first time I became aware of nostalgia as a specific element of the D&D experience was when third edition D&D came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, second edition and TSR with it had kind of uh, collapsed and Wizards of the Coast was coming out with this new third edition. And I remember that the pitch of third edition was, I want to say this was, these were words you would see in the ads for them. You know, go back to the dungeon. Mm. And it was a real deliberate uh, call out to kind of whatever people thought of as the roots of D&D after second edition had expanded D&D into all kinds of different genres and settings and things had gotten a little bit crazy towards the end. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like just the whole hobby of role-playing uh, and I don't say this in a, a, as a, in a judgmental way at all. We've, we have never really gotten over or figured out what to do with the original D&D experience. You know, mm-hmm. uh, zero edition or first edition D- Gygaxian era D&D. And since third edition came out, there has, you know, there has for 20 plus years been this whole side of the hobby. Sometimes it's been called the OSR, Old School Renaissance there's been this whole side of the hobby, you know, really leaning into trying to recapture whatever it was that first edition meant to us. Mm -hmm. And people have tried to do this by people have done this by bringing back, you know, the literal 
old school rules, play it, you know, the original way Gygax did. People have produced extremely, you know, kind of modern rule systems that try to recreate whatever it was that magic or experience was of first edition in a way without returning to the literal rules of first edition. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, nostalgia feels very baked into this hobby. I realized in this podcast, we, we try, we try not to, you know, do too much sort of hobby level commentary. And we try to, we try to keep it more to like, what is our personal experience? And, but, you know, I feel that that's part of my experience of D and D to this day. I, you know, I won't lie. I have this ideal of sort of what the first edition old school D and D experience was that is always in my mind's eye that I hope to one day achieve. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I I suspect I'm not the only GM that feels like the the thing we ought to be doing with all these new rule systems we have today is like find a way to nail down what it was that was magic about yeah. first edition and and relive it. So yeah. there's my big monologue. What do you reactions thoughts? No, I think it's good. I mean, I think you there's there's absolutely something baked into the hobby about this, right? Because so even coming into it into it running games in fifth edition, there's still sort of that sense of like, okay, well, this is fifth edition, but like this is how it used to be played, right? Like, yeah, you know, like this is this is the thing that we're all sort of like building on top of. Almost so like there's the there's this notion that that I feel and maybe this is just something that I'm feeling feeling directly that like any of the new rules and stuff are additions or edits to to the mm. the first edition stuff rather than their own thing. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, well, we realized that this wasn't as fun. Right. So we made this edit to it. Not like a like this is just what the game is. Right. <laughs> like, you know, like that's what, yeah. that's what the game is yep. now. Um, right. So like I don't need a big table for determining how hard it is to lift you know, lift something. Cause it's just like, well, we know we just have the strength check for that. Or like there's some other, or you flip a coin or whatever it is, is that you're doing, um, doing in your game. You know, I think there's also like that sense that like, there's, you know, well, yeah, you can do some role playing stuff, right? Like you can, you can role play conversation stuff, but yeah, you really should be dungeon delving. And I think a, a lot of the, like the marketing around some of the, the OSR and like some of these like old school, um, like get back to our roots stuff feels like it's not exactly interrogating. Like you like, maybe some of the deficiencies of that sort of dungeon delving mentality. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, like some of it feels a little gross to me because like it, it does have that sense of like a, okay, well you're all like sort of big buff barbarian dudes going into the dungeon to clear it out and like, you know, get all the treasure and stuff. And it's like, well, there's parts of that, that I, you know, I think it's good that we've interrogated you know, that like, maybe that's not the, you know, like maybe that's not the sort of like power fantasies we should be telling. Yeah. Right. You know, so, but like at the same time, it's like, oh, wouldn't that be fun to do a hex crawl where you all go in and sort of like, you know, murder the goblins and take their treasure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like there's that element of it, I feel is, is just at the root root of so much of this. Right. And like, maybe that's just like a, if you're playing a game that's based on war gaming, like that's always going to be there. Right. So you really just sort of need to rip yourself away from that and go play a game that's sort of invented you know, invented somewhere in un, like, yeah, invented or like, you know, grown in different soil. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I've wondered if with the, in the last five plus years with the rise of massively successful and influential actual play shows, like, you know, I'm talking about critical role and some of its sister shows. I've wondered if we finally found the thing that might be a new, uh, you know, basis for understanding what D&D is that like mm-hmm. 
people getting into it now in fifth edition and later are going to understand as the true D&D experience in the way that gamers of my age understand that Gygaxian mm-hmm. Temple of Elemental Evil or whatever as the true intended D&D experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't feel any res- You know, I'm not one of these people that sneers at the rise of, you know, YouTube streamed gaming and stuff like that. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. It's not really for me, but it's it's neat. It's interesting. But it's the first thing that's come along in 20 plus years where I've thought this might redefine for the next generation of gamers what D&D is trying to do. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of fascinating because, I mean, you think about Critical Role, it's not like they're going back and playing, you know, yeah, Temple of Elemental Evil and White Plume Mountain and stuff like that. Right? Like that's not their, their whole thing is, you know, making their own homebrew, right? Like, and I think that's, that's experience of most tables. And I think I would probably argue the experience of even tables like way back then, right? Yeah. Like Gygax wasn't writing down this material, like, okay, great. Like this is going to be, you know, someone's going to write an actual play, of, <laughs> like or play an actual play of this yeah. on, you know, like on a podcast in 40 years or, or whatever. Like, you know, and it also wasn't, I think being written with the, just the idea of consumption outside of probably the group itself ever yeah. either. And maybe not even consumption in like the form of publication, although Reading about Gygax, I think he probably always thought that everybody wanted to read <laughs> read yeah. anything that he ever wrote, right? Yeah. So it's like, I mean, that that mentality, I feel like, is very different. I mean, even a lot of the gaming that I do these days is, is um, I mean, just because of the, the nature of my life and stuff, it's like, it's stuff that I would run on air, right? Like, mm. that's sort yep. of always in the back of my mind, right? Like, that I... I could do it on the podcast, or I could, you know, play it in a, at a convention, you know, convention setup and stuff. And like, right, like I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. But like that yeah. also would just be, I think, very foreign <laughs> to, you know, to to someone, you know, thirty years ago or so. It's like, oh yeah, like yeah, you have to write this with the the idea that someone might be listening in on it, yeah, too, right? Yeah. Well, there's been more than one attempt to create a kind of product version, a consumer version of a role-playing campaign Mm -hmm. that didn't work because it, because the campaign hadn't something that was, that grew out of actual play is a different, difficult, it is a difficult and different task to kind of take that experience and be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write this into something else that you and sell it and you can experience the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a weird thing about this hobby that whatever you're running, whether it's something you came up with yourself or something you purchased from the store, what makes it work is what's happening at your game table. Again, mm-hmm. I would say that, you know, the quality of the adventure may, plays some role in that, but, you know, it's not the biggest role. In this podcast, we don't, we try to avoid kind of chatter about like, what's good, what's terrible, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And, that is something role-playing is one hobby where, you know, that old kind of is Temple of Elemental Evil a, what rating do I give it? Does it, (laughs) you know, is it a good adventure? Is it a bad one? Who knows? It's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a collection of stuff that will either come alive at your table or it won't. And Mm -hmm. uh, the role of the text itself is like, you know, it's a piece of that, but it's not the most important piece of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've played in, in, um, games of like, you know, classic modules and stuff that just did not get off the ground for various reasons. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I mean, you know, like who am I to argue? Like maybe, 
you know, it was probably at the table. It was not the module's fault. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And like, and it was honestly probably the makeup of the, the people who were playing and not even like the individuals. Right. Like, so there's just all sorts of things that have to go into, I think, making those magic moments. I do want to get back to like, so the idea, the idea of nostalgia, right. Is like, you know, something that you had in the past that you sort of want to bring forward. And I kind of wonder like, is, is everyone just sort of chasing that, like that feeling of when you were 13, you know, playing a game? Like, is that like, yeah, I guess is that, when you're thinking about nostalgia, is that what you're trying to grab onto there? Or is there something else that you're like, like, Oh, like it's actually this, right? You know, that's such a great question. Uh, to me, the answer is, you know, a yes and no. Mm-hmm. I, I want to chase the feeling. I do feel like I am chasing that feeling of gaming as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. eating up with your friends multiple times a week, playing for into the, the, hour, the, the wee hours of the night, you mm-hmm. know, um, but the, you know, the practice of what we were doing is stuff I would find impossibly dull or tedious today. Mm-hmm. So the stuff, you know, the depth to which I was into the D and D and Rollmaster and other roles is just something that I don't have any desire to, to kind of have to engage with the game at that level of depth anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we were teenagers, we were creating these magic experiences, but they were not the way, um, I don't know, it's kind of hard to say. We were having a lot of, you know, like three hour combat sequences and arguing over whether your plus five bonus to dexterity applied in this situation or not. Um, Mm -hmm. Those were the things that produced magic experiences when I was 14 years old. Yeah. Today, when I think about what do I, you know, I'm playing, so this weekend I have a Star Trek game coming up. And I think, what do I want to get out of this session? Absolutely none of those things. I want, I want whatever the magic was that I felt when I was a teenager, but I don't want any of the specific things that I was doing as a teenager to be a part, to be a part of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the answer is, yeah, I, you know, uh, in the same way we're nostalgic about all sorts of youthful stuff. I'm super nostalgic about my youthful gaming sessions. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would get up and have to leave the room 20 minutes in if I were to sit in and like, you know, witness one of those gaming sessions today as a grown up. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. I mean, I think about, yeah, like the, you know, marathon, like video gaming sessions that I used to do. I'm just like, I, I, I literally cannot do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think in, in some ways I'm always chasing that high. Like I will try every once in a while. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to take a day off of work and just. <laughs> Yeah. Just like play whatever, you know, this brand new game that came out. It's just like, there's just, I don't know if there's too many other responsibilities or what, yeah. but it's just like, it just doesn't, it doesn't hit quite the same. Yeah. Um, I've done yeah. the exact same thing. Yeah. I have literally taken off days from work to mm-hmm. play a game and I've gotten in my head that, yeah, this is going to be just like old times. But in like mm-hmm. an hour and a half into whatever, whatever it is, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm kind of, kind of done with this. <laughs> yeah. Rest, you know, what should I do next? Yeah. How decadent of a lifestyle we live. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I do think, um, so I backed the Kids on Bikes second edition Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I played the first the first edition once, right, and enjoyed it quite a bit, um, but, you know, didn't pick it up again. And I was just thinking, you know, as we're, we're having this conversation, like, why did I back that? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think we all have that sort of same same wonder about our Kickstarter, <laughs> our Kickstarter pile of shames. Like, okay, wait, why did I back that again? But, um, yeah, I think for me, 
the reason I backed it is because I have such fond memories of jumping on my bike with my friends mm -hmm. and like yep. just going to ride to the comic book shop, right. To go buy some magic cards and like, you know, come on back or like to go pick up the latest video game at, um, you know, at, uh, GameStop, right? It wasn't called GameStop back then. It was Funko, Funko Land. But, yeah. but you know, like go, 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 go picking up, that up and like riding back as quickly as possible because you know you had like just a couple hours before dinner time, right? Just like all these sorts of things, right? Like are centered around the idea of like having a bike, and it's like that's that's really what I want to capture again. Yeah. You know, and like I bike all the time still today, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm that sort of person. Um, like that, that has not become not part of my personality, but like, there's something about that magic of like, just being a kid yeah. and like going out, you know, on your bike. And it's like, that's what I want to capture again. is like that feeling. Yeah. You know, I don't need to capture the, like, I don't know. There's no like mechanical, you know, three hour long conversation, like you were saying, or like debating some sort of minute you know, like a small rule in Magic the Gathering that, you know, like we would do that for hours at a time, like just yeah. trying to like figure out like, what does this card actually mean? Because right? we didn't have the internet necessarily. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, back then. So you didn't, you couldn't just go ask any, anyone that you wanted to on Reddit or whatever about, about, you know, the ruling. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, that's, that's just what we did is we just spent all this time debating the ins and outs of these like small details yeah. and stuff. And it's like, yeah, like I think, I think what I miss and like what I'd want to bring forward into my games is that sense of kind of unlimited time and energy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is what it really comes down to um, for me. So, well, I think, I honestly think that that kind of built in grappling with nostalgia is just part of the role-playing hobby for some mm -hmm. reason yeah i don't think that this experience is the same in in a lot of other hobbies um mm -hmm. i mean if you liked playing soccer as a kid and maybe you've played soccer your whole life and as an, an adult you still play soccer you're 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 playing soccer you're having a great time out of it it's very fulfilling to you that fulfillment is not bound up in like kind of wrangling with the nostalgia of the experience of playing soccer as a kid. Exactly. Right. Or yeah. maybe it is. I maybe. don't know. You know, yeah, it probably is, but it's also like, yeah, you're still sort of playing. I don't know. I, I think about like golf a lot as like the, the exact opposite of, of role playing, <laughs> role playing games. Um, although it's still like somewhat related, like golf feels like, or, you know, something where you can kind of be good at your entire life in some capacity. Right. Like, I think that's the sort of thing where like you can kind of constantly get better at different parts, parts of golf. So I think like the drive there of that hobby is, oh, I'm going to get a little bit better at putting this year or a little bit better at, I don't know, whatever, chipping, <laughs> chipping, yeah. like those sorts of things. Right. Like, so that's like a more, yeah. Yeah. So I can see that, but I mean, I could see if you're a soccer player, part of the appeal being thinking it back on like, Oh, remember when I could run for, for four hours straight. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I can, I guess yeah. I can see that now. Um, yeah. I guess all that to say this nostalgia because D and D is, and has been just the central element of this hobby mm -hmm. for the entire duration of this hobby. I'm simplifying, of course. Yeah. It, I, that the nostalgia for, what came before is just baked into what makes this hobby fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's why 5e comes out with updated versions of adventures that have been published in like four different, you know, <laughs> previous editions of D and D, right. Why, yeah. why are they doing that? Why aren't they just making new stuff? 
because I think even if you didn't grow up in the 70s and 80s playing first edition D&D, nostalgia still feels like part of the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you weren't even alive in the 80s uh, to feel nostalgic about this at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's not just olds watching Stranger Things and feeling nostalgia for the 80s, right? Yeah. Elsewhere, I was having a conversation about like arcades and stuff because that's that's also a, a mm. part of like you know thinking back about like core memories of my life and stuff and like those places were disgusting right like, they, <laughs> <laughs> right? like they, everything was sticky like nothing was clean there was just like just the secondhand smoke that permeated everything yes. back then i mean do you remember like you just it just was part of going anywhere is that there'd just be smoke like right like in yeah. your friends parents probably smoked like yeah yeah like maybe even you did too in like high school because it was just like that was that was everything like these days i mean it's just not a part of my experience at all right to be around that and like stranger things like the the very sanitized version of the nostalgia of the 80s like yeah sure like yeah you're going roller skating at the roller skating rink but like yeah i don't see like i don't see the the clouds of smoke (laughs) yeah yeah everywhere that like really typified um you know like that that time period and stuff um yeah, so it's like I think like even our nostalgia is going to have these rose-colored glasses. It's like you know you're you're chasing something that never existed. Yeah, and like yeah. I think that's okay, right? Like if that's that can be emotionally satisfying too. I think like you got to try to get back to a place that you can never go. Yeah, interesting chat, but we should wrap mm-hmm. up. Yes, cool. Well, thank you for thank you for having that chat. I think that was that was really good. Um, yeah. Well, let's see. Unless you have any other closing thoughts, I think I will fully fully wrap us up. Yeah, that sounds good. We, uh, I guess we won't spoil it, but we have a really cool episode lined up for yeah. next time with some exciting guests. So stay tuned, I guess, or whatever the phrase yeah. is. That was a good teaser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it I'm a master. Really I'm a master of marketing here. Yes, so. you are. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Roll for Topic is part of the Roll for It Media Podcasting Network, our sister show, The Splat Book with John Corey and Kyle Latino. Um, it can be found at thesplatbook.com. Um, I started listening to, I think, one of their their latest episodes. Um, yeah, it is really good. I'm trying to remember the exact topic about it, but it was one of those ones where I was just sort of like yelling at the, the podcast player, like, yeah, yeah. right on, that's great. Um, yeah, so do go check them out. Um, they are wonderful. Um, yeah, but I think that does it for us. So I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. And remember, if your players have been fun, you're a great GM.